Welcome, everybody, to another Nothing But Net Media podcast. I'm John Guarna, and as always, I'm joined by Logan Thunder, women's head coach, Braden Hesselaris. Braden, we're still in mourning a bit. The Boomers, medal chances, RIP. <laughs> it was so close, yet so far away. I know uh, you were devastated. I, I Believe it or not, I was devastated as well. Uh, I did take a little joy out of it more because... Every person I know was giving me so much shit about when America you lost. You still finished seventh. You still well, finished seventh. Though. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It does. But that's the only joy I had out of it, just because we were out Wednesday night. All of the mates are saying, "Oh, America!" They were celebrating more that America lost than than Australia winning the game later that night to get into the semifinals, and. To be honest with you, I felt like it was a little bit of arrogance in the Australian fans thinking that America lost. Now it's open for us to win our first medal. I think fans got a little overconfident. And unfortunately, the Boomers had the opportunity to win that semifinal against Spain in particular. Uh, I thought that game was definitely a winnable game. Uh, They lose that one and then they bounce back, get up by 15 against France. You think, man, this is it. We're looking great. But once they hit that 15-point mark, it was all downhill from there. It was all France, and they really stormed home. And unfortunately, Boomers finished fourth. A respectable finish, in my opinion, particularly because the the predictions going into the tournament, at least outside of Australia, were that the Boomers were an outsider's chance at a medal, probably looking in that 5 to 8 range in most predictions. So in that sense, it was a successful World Cup campaign, but unfortunately they come home medalists yet again. The question I have for you is, was this the last best chance of the Boomers winning a, a medal in international basketball? Oh, I think it was their, their best chance. I think it's pretty naive not to say it was their best chance considering how the draw opened up for them. You know, USA went out. Um, you know, you were... Serbia went out. Serbia went out. <laughs> Uh, even though Spain are tough and ended up winning it, like you had your chances against Spain. And then if you make the final, you're playing an Argentina team that you probably would have been favourites in. So, you know, they're probably realistically one win away from being gold medalists, really, because I think uh, Australia and Spain were looked much more organised um, against the teams uh, compared to the teams that Argentina beat. Even France, I think, you know, even though France beat Australia, I think they didn't look as organised as us in Spain. Except when they played Australia. Yeah, <laughs> especially in that last quarter and a half. But, um, you know, so it, I think it was definitely their best chance. But I don't think it's – I think it's pretty stupid for, you know, people already jump, jumping down, saying that was our best chance, it's over, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, the core of this group is still going to be back next year. You look at Ingalls, Mills – Delhi, Bogut, Baines, um, you know, who we have off the bench? Jock Landau will probably make that Olympic team. Um, Nick Kay, I thought. Nick Kay may Nick have Kay probably makes the spot. Olympic team yeah, the way I mean, he's played. He was awesome. Um, you know, and then you add Ben Simmons has said he's definitely basically playing the, the Olympics. Dante Exum, I think, you know, even though he's been injured, when he's been on the court in the NBA in the last couple of years, he has improved out of sight. And I think hopefully this year, by any injuries, touch wood, he'll be really good for Utah. Uh, and he'll come into the team. Then you got guys like Thon Maker, Jonah Bolden, does he come back in? Um, Ryan Brokoff, who I think is probably one of the biggest outs for this Australian team. I thought 
he was a key piece in that Olympic team, just being able to shoot the ball and giving them another option. Um, you know, they really, apart from Chris Golding and, and Patty Mills, they couldn't really run any sets for people coming off, you know, staggered screens to, you know, to knock down a three and stuff like that. And towards the end of the tournament, Bubbles really struggled uh, after his good start. So um, I think it's pretty sh- stupid to say it's it's their last chance. I think, you know, you reload with the core of this group back. You add Ben Simmons. Obviously, like you've already mentioned to me, you don't know how those guys will go playing international basketball. But I think you add the talent of those guys. And one thing, you know, Andre's had his critics, especially with the bullets and stuff. But one thing he's had a, done a really good job with is bringing people into that boomers system and, you know, meshing them into that international style of basketball. So it is disappointing. And, you know, I was I brought my parents over here. We watched it in the theatre room upstairs. It's cold. And, uh, it's cold. It was, it was devastating, you know, especially Paddy had that free throw to put him up that, you know, would have won him the game. And, um, you know, Bogut had to go at the refs after. I think it's pretty stupid also to say it was the refs' fault, I think. There were calls in there, especially the call against Bogut that gave Gasol the two shots to put him up was terrible. Um, but, you know, you look at it even with that, we had the opportunity to go ahead with well, that free throw. To, to me, that was one of the more disappointing outcomes of the entire tournament was the reaction of Bogut. Yeah. And the t- but the, the greater basketball um, community as well reacted similarly. The reality is, is that Yes, the referees were bad. Yes, they made some horrible calls. But it wasn't just against Australia. There was a lot of calls that Australia got that were really terrible calls also. And to me, you have to be able to win graciously, but you have to lose graciously. And to me, I thought it was a poor reflection on an overall great campaign from the Boomers to have that as one of the key takeaways from a fairly successful tournament. I agree with you as far as the wider basketball community and the people that know basketball that don't have probably the emotional attachment that Andrew Bogut does to how they went. But, you know, I almost fired back at someone on Twitter who criticised Bogut for it. Not just general criticism, like you were saying, but really had a go at him. And I think the thing that people miss is how much emotional attachment these guys have to a tournament like this and to try and win a medal for Australia and how much effort, you know, they don't get paid for this shit. Like, you know, they put in all this work and, and everything. So to be honest, even though it is disappointing in some ways, like I'm not going to criticize someone like Bogut, who's over, especially over recent years shown, you know, how much debt, like he's dedicated to playing for Australia and stuff like that. And, you know, they put their blood, sweat and tears and everything. So, you know, people vent their frustration in different ways. I'm sure if he looks back on it, he probably doesn't want to do that. But, you know, that's... Well, the- Andrew Bogut would never, will never take back No, no, he no, but says, he'll so. probably think in his head. He'll never take it back publicly. But I think, you know, you, people vent in different ways, and I think that was just his way of, you know, and I think he's emotionally attached. And to me, that's, you know, it's disappointing to see the way he did it, but it, it's good to see how much these superstars care. But The, the reality is, though, and you, you did mention it, that... Australia had multiple opportunities to win that game versus Spain. So to me, to blame the referees, no matter and, and again, I understand. I'm I'm talking. You know, if we take the emotion out of it, to blame the referees um, is poor form. It, it it is no matter what, no matter how much the emotions are are running, the the reflections need to be on. Okay, well, we we yeah, but we it's missed right the, the game, Johnny. He, once he reflects. 
He probably thinks like but that. But he gave he gave it to him. He gave it to them on. He gave it to him on the court too. It wasn't just in the tunnel. You could see him giving them giving it to them on the calls. Yeah. After the game, uh, you can see it on his face. So I, I don't want to harp on Bogut because I think he was a key part to that that the success that they had, and I know he's going to be a huge part of them potentially looking to medal again next year if he's healthy, and hopefully he will be. To me, though, I thought from a to- a tournament as a whole. I didn't. I don't think Bogut played as uh, intelligently and as emotionally intelligently as the team needed him to. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something that if we, you know, if you reflect back on the tournament as a whole, if you go back and you look through the games, I think from a Boomer's perspective, they need better emotionally from Bogut to go and advance further into these games because the referees got into his head. It was it was that way early in the game, and you could see him chatting early into the game. So once it's in your head, it's hard to get it out. You have to work on that as far as I'm concerned and focus till the final whistle. Yeah. You can't let it get in your head and yeah. affect your play. I definitely agree with you on that. I thought you know his ability to stay out of foul trouble with just the simple stuff that they were continuously calling him for every game um, was not great, and I think Australia were lucky that Aaron Baines was playing so well in that middle patch of the tournament because we never got many minutes out of Boga because he was in foul trouble. So, And that's kind of where that came back to bite us in the end was in that France game was Aaron Baines was injured and wasn't playing that well in that last game and Boga sort of didn't have the... He was good, but he didn't have the impact, you know, he's had probably because he's focused on other things or, you know, he just hasn't had the rhythm because he's been in foul trouble and all that sort of stuff. So I do agree with that. Um, and you go back to the different points of the the, ser- uh, the tournament. I think I spoke to you about this a little bit. The Spain game, to me, what killed him in the Spain game was not, not what killed him because I, I don't want to criticise someone who was awesome throughout this tournament. But we needed Joe Ingles to be aggressive as far as looking to score as well and create plays. And I thought in that Spain game, he was playing to pass a lot, and I think Spain played him for the pass, and, you know, he would get into the paint, probably in an area where he could, you know, elevate and attack the rim, and he would, you know, throw a pass to someone at the three-point line and would get intercepted because they were all playing him for the pass, and there was multiple, you know, possessions where we had good ball movement and ended up in Joe's hands, and he pump-faked rather than shooting the three, and, you know, we really only had our one playmaker in Paddy Mills for this whole tournament, and I think... Um, you know, obviously Joe Ingles stepped up at different times, but consistently Paddy was the one guy that created to score and I thought we really needed someone else to step up and we didn't have that in that Spain game. And I think that's probably the major area going forward is we need multiple playmakers in the team. And, and I think going back to my point before the World Cup, I think that's where someone like Dangadel. Brock Modem, who can make plays, offensive plays at the at the big man spot. Dangadell, who can attack the rim, who can shoot the ball, stuff like that. Even if you didn't play him much throughout the tournament, you know, later in the tournament when fatigue sets in, they can make plays, and I think that's what we need going forward. Yeah, I think you're 100% right uh, around that. Um, the fact of the matter is, though, is next year you can hopefully bring in a Simmons, bring in a Dante Exum, guys who can be that secondary creator or the primary creator, which Joe Ingles was throughout this tournament. He, uh, in 
all facts of matter was the point forward for the team. They looked the best, I thought, when, when the ball was running through his hands. Um, but I think that took away some of his shooting and, and some of his uh, uh, offensive aggressiveness, I guess I should say. Delhi, I thought, overall had a fairly solid tournament. But you know, turnover-wise, uh, he he was turning the ball over a lot in Australia. The turnovers really was the standout statistic for me in the tournament. I think they turned the ball over second or third most uh, in, in the whole tournament, and it really came back to bite them, particularly in that semifinal and final where they needed some key buckets. They got a few turnovers, and the teams go down the other end and, and either you know chip into chip away at a lead or increase uh, increase a lead. I want to go back to something, though, that you mentioned earlier. Uh, Andre Lamanis, you mentioned that you know, he was copying a, a bit of criticism, and he has been copying a bit of criticism since the end of the tournament uh, for perceived questionable calls, questionable rotations, questionable timeouts. You name it, he's been criticized. Is the criticism online of Andre Lamanis fair, in your opinion? And if yes or no, was there anything you, you would have liked to have seen differently from, from the coaching staff? To me, I think, the again, I, like I wanted to... I was thinking about this all day. I don't want to seem like I'm criticizing these guys because you could see even Andre, how much it meant to him and the guys played their absolute hearts out and everything. And these are just our thoughts on what they could do better and stuff like that. But I think the biggest thought you could make is probably the selections. Like, you know, you can contest some things throughout the tournament, especially in the semi and, and the bronze medal playoff. But I think it goes back to those problems probably don't exist if you make some different selections, especially with those last couple of spots, really. Um, you know, so I, like I, I said, you know, you can't tell me in that semi-final and bronze medal playoff that Brock Modem wouldn't have come in handy, especially with both our big struggling. And, you know, he showed in that Sp Spanish game in the Olympics, I think he had 20 points against Spain when Bogut was fouled out for almost the whole second half. And he kept us in it. Like, um, so I just think someone like that who has that experience and offensively gifted, yes, Nick Kay was awesome, but he couldn't create anything for us. Bogut wasn't doing much. Baines was just flat and burnt out by the end of the tournament. You know, so even that stage, you're like, you, you can't tell me that someone like him wouldn't have helped. And then someone like Dang Adele couldn't have been a spot-up shooter, which we needed at times. Like, that's all he does in the NBA like, played three minutes here and there. You know, for example, when Paddy Mills, France made that run, Paddy Mills was out for six minutes straight in that third quarter when we needed a bucket. You know, that's probably... But that goes back to some of the criticism online. I mean, for me, that one is, is, a, is an obvious one where Paddy averaged nearly 35, 36 minutes a game for the whole tournament. What's he doing sitting on the bench? Yeah. For six minutes straight when the other team is making a massive comeback and then taking the lead. Yeah. And people, people, you have no yeah. momentum. All the momentum is now in the opposition's favor. Yeah, and people have said, you know, at the end of the tournament he was tired, but, but so was Delhi. Delhi played almost 40 minutes. Sure. And if anyone has an excuse to be tired, it's probably Delhi the way he plays defense and, and everything. And I thought, like you said, apart from the turnovers, I thought Delhi was outstanding throughout the tournament just defensively and... Uh, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, to me, you would you live and die with your star players, and I think especially in a metal yeah. game. I mean, that's yeah. that 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 to me was the was one of the disappointing things. Uh, again, I think 
overall, it was a great tournament. I, I really was into it from the first game to the very end and disappointed that Australia lost. But uh, the, the the patty sitting for those six minutes was something that I think it definitely deserved some criticism. The other criticism, and, and this is something that you can only re- – maybe because we're watching it on TV, but – Sometimes you'd go into the timeouts in the Australian huddles and it just seemed to be chaos where you have three, four, five guys talking, the coach coach is drawing something up, the referees are blowing the whistle for players to come back on and it just felt like you're calling a timeout but you're not getting anything out of it. And, And I think then when you go and watch and see what happens on the court directly off of a timeout, they're calling a timeout turning the ball over and teams are going the other way and scoring or they're calling a timeout and not getting anything out of it. And to me, those are some areas where I thought that we potentially struggled from a coaching perspective. Yeah. I think it's like you said, it's but, it, but it's, it's, you know, it's we're sitting easier. there on TV. Yeah. You know, we're watching on TV. So yeah, it's easier to make that call when you watch it on TV and it did look like that, but you know, I was trying to explain this to my parents on Friday night as well. It's, being a coach, it's it's completely different. Like, if you have, you know, like my Logan team this year had a lot of people who um, contributed and have experience, and they spoke during timeouts, and it was done in a good way. There was no confusion, all that sort of stuff. And then you have teams where people are barking everything during the timeouts, and it's bad. So it really, only the players and coaches know what it's like during that timeout. But, you know, there is only, you know, I thought compared to, and Liam Santa Maria broke this down for NBL was, in previous tournaments, they've probably been pretty bad at plays out of timeouts at the end of games. And I think there was only one or two down the stretch that they didn't get anything good out of. I think, you know, the France game, there was multiple when they were making a run where we caught a timeout and didn't get anything out of it. But, you know, like you said, you, you really only know, the players and coaches only really know what that's like, but it did seem pretty crazy at times. Yeah, it, it, again, and we're I'm being nitpicky here uh, again. Super happy for them to get where they got to. Super disappointed for them uh, for not winning a medal because you know how much they wanted it. They they said it before through the whole buildup. They won a medal in this tournament. They came oh so close. Uh, but I do. I, I'm proud of them for representing us. I think they played some great basketball. I think it was some really high-level basketball was played. I was really proud of the way they defended also. I thought throughout the tournament, defensively, they got stronger. And I agree with you. I think they were just missing that that secondary ball handler, uh, someone else to create and, and, and shoot the ball a little consistently. And, you know, you, you had a broke off. Uh, you, you had a, a modem to that group. And I think we're looking at a medal. So you have to be excited for 2020 in Tokyo. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you know, they were missing, to me, you know, Paddy Mills saved them at, at periods, especially in the fourth quarter of games. But, you know, he's going to get tired. Like, he's human as well. And in that France game, he didn't have as good a game as he would have liked. And, um, you know, he still made some big plays and big plays in the, in the game against Spain. But you have someone that can take a little bit of pressure off him, like a, even though he's not a shooter, but he's a playmaker. And Ben Simmons, Dante Exum, you know, and even people that, um, you know, other teams can't help off like, you know, broke off and everything. That sort of opens it up for everyone. You know, the, the thing I, I saw Body Nogi point out to today was, and I, I think I said this maybe last week, 
is we never we to me the way Aaron Baines was shooting the ball, and not a lot of teams had overly quick four man. Like we could have looked at maybe playing Baines and Bogut together a little bit, you know. And, and at times in those big games, I thought we struggled on the defensive glass as well. Like that game against Spain, we played good defense, but we gave up an offensive rebound and Sergio Yule hits a three and then Rubio hits a three. Marcus Sol hits a three and off, off an offensive rebound. You know, to me, those killed us as well. And, I, you know, they, don't, they didn't have overly big, you know, uh, overly quick, sorry, four men playing. So, you know, that's something we could have looked at at times as well. And we did that heaps at the Olympics, which Body put, pointed out today in his piece. But... So that's maybe something we can look at going down the, you know, into the Olympics. But, you know, like you said, hindsight's a great thing. Well, in hindsight also, let's put it out there. Patty Mills got jobbed for not not only not, you know, uh, to me he was the player of the tournament regardless of them yeah. winning a medal or not. Uh, he was excellent every single game. You talk about a superstar. When, when you think of FIBA and you think of a superstar in this tournament, Patty Mills is the first guy to come to mind. Not only does he not win the win the award, doesn't even make the All Star Five, and then it comes out today that Basketball Australia notified Patty Mills that he had made the All League team. Yet when FIBA announces it, he's nowhere to be found. Yeah, what's the go? Yeah, it's to me that's the biggest bullshit, you know, thing that happened at the tournament. You know, you can talk about the refs and everything, but that's just an absolute, you know, rip off on Patty Mills and the way he played. He was. You know, if he if we win the um, the Spain game or maybe even win the bronze medal, he probably gets MVP or goes close to it. Goes close for you sure. Know, to me, it's an absolute joke that Ricky Rubio got the MVP. Someone averaging sixteen points, five assists, and four rebounds over the other guys who are in the All Star Five who are averaging over twenty and all this sort of stuff. You know, he played well in the semi final and final. He was terrible the rest of the tournament. Yeah. And even at stages in the Australia game, like he was good in the second half. But at stages in the Australian game, he wasn't very good either. Like Australia were making him shoot the ball. And like even though he made some plays and made some mid-range jumpers, like he didn't do he didn't damage the game until the end. Pa- Patty to me was the most consistent game in and game out throughout the tournament. He was one of the top scorers in the whole tournament, if not the top scorer. I don't have the statistics think, right in yeah. front of me. But to, for him not even to make the five is an absolute joke. Ridiculous. And, you know, I think if Bogut wants to complain to FIBA, if he finds out their that, address, right. please let us know, Andrew Bogut, so we can send a, a letter of complaint that Patty Mills didn't make that all, all-star five for that tournament. That's a joke. It was, it was – I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. And like I said – if you put Ricky Rubio in because of the way he played in the last couple of games into the All-Star 5, that's fine. But you you take out someone whose team got knocked out in the quarterfinals who was one of the favourites, and I know he had similar stats to Paddy, but Bogdan Bogdanovic, you know, his team were the favourites. If he was that good, they would have won a quarterfinal against a team in Argentina that had no NBA players, you know. So And then Evan Fournier was really good earlier in the tournament. Where was he in the semifinal against... Argentina, you know, where was, you know, Paddy Mills showed up in every game. Yep. You know, even I think against France, he still had 20. He had 15, uh, 15 and 2, 6 yeah. and 12 from the field. Two so that's, four his, that's three. his worst game. He had 34 against Spain. I think he had 30-something against uh, when we played France. Like, come on. like, And if someone wins MVP from that Spain team, 
to me, it's Michael Sol. The way he took over that game against Australia, he was the reason they won that game against Australia. And he was the best big in the tournament. You know, Louis Scola deserved his spot. I thought the two spots that were up for grabs were Evan Fournier and Bogdanovich. Yeah. You know, I don't think I don't think both of them make it. I think you choose one, and to me, it's the team that won a bronze medal. Yeah, I you agree. So, Can't agree with you more on that, for sure. Um, yeah, to me, it's absolutely crazy. And then, like you said, the stuff that came out this afternoon about he was told, you know, and like I said, to me, it wouldn't be BA's fault because no one, I don't think, would tell him in a serious, yeah, you hope not. Uh, you in hope a serious not. competition like this that he's made it if he hasn't. So, you know, it's it's crazy. But And then the other thing I'd like to say is people firing back at Bogut about the uh, Google where FIBA is. It's not in Spain. It's in Switzerland. But he was saying Europe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people got that. Everyone was firing back. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, you know, one of the biggest rip-offs that, Fever have and if they wanted to sort of get away from the, everyone calling them you know Europe favourites and all that sort of stuff that was not a way to do it no for sure and uh, Paddy Mills know, deserved it too yeah he really did and uh, yeah I don't think I'm sure Paddy would have loved to have the recognition I don't think that's what he plays for um, but it, it's a deserved recognition for him uh, and his tournament and I would have loved to have seen him get it because he deserved it and I don't think there was another player in the tournament who deserved it more then Patty Mills, unfortunately, he doesn't get it. And now, you know, there's a little extra motivation heading into yeah. 2020 for the Boomers. Uh, they've already qualified for the Olympics, so they don't have to go. You know, they'll still uh, they'll still have their build up to to the Olympic Games, but they have qualified, so they will definitely be there. And uh, let's hope that they can right the wrongs from this World Cup and bring it into Tokyo in 2020 and bring home the first medal for the men's. Uh, basketball program in Australia. Yeah, and he tweeted that as well. He said, that's not what I play for and all that sort of stuff. And he just said, add more fuel to the fire for Tokyo. And I, I thought someone brought up a good point uh, after those comments this afternoon was Paddy Mills, flag bearer for us yeah. at the Olympics. Well, I, I think saw there's no Wertho, one that suits it better. Wertho was talking that early in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't always agree with Mark Worthington, but I think that was a, that's a no-brainer. And... Uh, if if they're even considering it now, they should lock it in because yeah. to me uh, it's a no-brainer. It'll be his fourth Olympic Games. Uh, you can't you, you if if you thought of somebody to represent the country of Australia and this nation, I can't think of anybody who would be better than Patty Mills. And that's not taking any credit away from any other athlete who will go on or has represented this country or will represent this country. But Patty Mills deserves it, and uh, I think we should start the movement now. Let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's a shoe-in. Like you said, no one better to represent the country. And you look at the good side, if he drops the flag, Delhi will probably be the first on the floor to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for FIBA. Great tournament. Uh, congratulations to Australia. We commiserate with you, uh, but we'll be with you also on that run to the 2020 Olympics. Let's move into basketball here in Australia, the NBL Blitz. Coming up this weekend – Always a really exciting time. The preseason is already in swing, but to me, the blitz is really when the build-up and the feel of the NBL really kicks off. It's a great event. All the teams in, in you know one one place theoretically they'll be in Tasmania playing at a few different venues, uh, but all teams there. You got an NBL one uh, all-star team also competing. It's a really exciting time for us. The basketball season itself is ready to ready to tip off. 
the Blitz is on this weekend. What are you looking forward to for the Blitz, Braden? Um, I think I'm, first of all, looking at looking forward to Brisbane, um, you know, getting their stuff going for the start of the season. I think they played, you know, we saw them play against... Um, Creighton. Creighton, and then they played two games against Cairns on the weekend, but... You know, all their main guys, they shared the court time around. I don't think any of their main guys played over 15 minutes. And, mm. Well, and they're, missing, like they're missing Soby and, they're missing and, Glidden. and Glidden. Those are two of their yeah. five starters. Yeah, And, and, and Soby will be the starting point guard. So, you know, that's a, yeah. a couple of big outs. Yeah, and I think, you know, with Andre back, I don't, I don't think Soby and Glidden will definitely not play the, the first game. Um, so I think they'll sort of look to play a bit more of their actual rotation and start to get stuff going and, you know, what they can look for and, and everything going forward this season and what works for them and everything. So looking forward to seeing Brisbane play. I think um, Taylor Braun, his bio report's been pretty good. Lamar Patterson, um, you know, playing his way back into game shape and everything, he'll he'll be good. But I think, um, you know, someone we keep bringing up, bio reports, Will Magnet's playing really well and, and stuff like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they go, and apart from that, I'm really looking forward to seeing the two young fellas play. I thought I watched the game against South Melbourne, South East Melbourne Phoenix. In so the when Royal you Hawks. say young fellas, you're talking Lamelo Ball, Ball and RJ Hampton. Hampton. Yeah, okay. I thought I watched that game Illawarra versus South East Melbourne Phoenix and Aubrey, and, and Lamelo was really good. Aaron Brooks didn't play, um, but he he's what 17, 18 now. He's just turned 18. Uh, he did not look like a young rookie, even though you know. He's American. He's hyped over there. It's still a tough league to come in playing, and he looked really good. Like he was shooting the ball well. He shoots floaters from like the three point line. He made like three or four of those, and really good passer and everything. He looked really good. So interesting to see what he's like against you know more teams and stuff like that. RJ Hampton. No one's really seen how he's gone or anything at training or anything. So it's going to be interesting to see how he plays. So really looking forward to seeing how those guys go and how. Um, how it benefits the NBL as well, because that Southeast Melbourne Phoenix Illawarra Hawks game, the highlights have more than a million views. So that's awesome. The Lamelo effect it's, for sure. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's a real for the NBL. thing. It's a real thing. I think apart from that, um, I'm really looking forward. The two teams I'm really looking forward to seeing, apart from Brisbane, are Adelaide. Um, you know, the guys on NBL overtime have brought it up. Joey rarely speaks about his team and hypes his team up, and he says he's really excited about this team. They suit his style and they're probably smarter than the previous teams he's had. You know, he's got a lot of guys that are uh, probably on their last chance in the NBL and have bounced around. Daniel Dillon, guys like that. Um, you know, so he's really excited about the team and I think you can never write off a, a Joey team. So I'm really looking forward to seeing them play. Uh, and then the other team that's pretty unknown is New Zealand. Like they've recruited, you know, basically shipped out a whole team apart from Corey Webster which still there's might a, go over to Europe. A bit of drama in, yeah. the, in there, apparently, with yeah. Corey Webster. And, um, looking for a release and not getting it, but yeah, it's only rumors from what we understand. Yeah, Matt Walsh, the up. owner, came out and said that um, they want to keep him. You know, you can't replace a guy like Corey. So I, I, think, I don't think they would have said that before the World Cup. I think the way he played <laughs> at the World Cup, I think, changed um, their thoughts because they recruited basically over the top of him. Yep, They've got guys, you know... NBL guys talking about he might not start and everything now. If he doesn't start, there's some serious problems, I think, with that team and the chemistry and everything going forward. So, But they're a relatively new team. I'm really looking forward to seeing them and, and Adelaide play and, and seeing what happens. But there's always weird stuff that happens 
at the NBL Blitz, like Finn Delaney came out of nowhere a couple of years ago and guys like that. So really looking forward to just watching and seeing, seeing what happens. A couple of things that I'm looking forward to uh, alongside what you, what you mentioned. I'm really looking forward to seeing the Sydney Kings with Will Weaver at the head, uh, but also Casper Ware at the point guard spot. Yeah. I think that's a really great addition for that group. And Didi. Uh, and Didi Lozada, who apparently has been very good in training um, by, by, by the account. He started that, for Brazil. Yeah, he did, and he played well. Yeah. So, you know, he, he'll, be, he'll be an interesting piece, and, and I think the Kings with Bogut and Casper Ware and Lish, I mean, guys, people are kind of a little bit forgetting about them with the star power coming back into the league. Uh, Perth, of course, no one ever talks about Perth. Everyone writes them off, and at the end of the year, they're – playing for the trophy and most more often than not lifting the trophy. Uh, but I'm really also looking forward to seeing Southeast uh, Melbourne Phoenix and Mitch Creek. Having Mitch Creek back in the league to me is tremendous. He was uh, a, a superstar few, of the World Cup too. He I was great. He was, awesome. he was great. And I think, you know, it goes to – you, you got to give Creek a lot of credit for that because not going from not being picked to playing meaningful minutes in semifinals and, and, and bronze medal games is a big credit to him, I think. Uh, the attitude and the approach he takes, and the leadership I think that shows. And to me, uh, that's where his value is going to be for for that new group. He's going to be able to bring this new group together quickly, get them to gel. And I wouldn't be surprised to see if they're contending for a final spot. Uh, A few years ago, I did something with the guys at the pick and roll, and they were talking about if you were going to start a franchise, who who would you start it around? And my pick at that time was Mitch Creek, and I wouldn't change that to this day. I think I'm just a big fan of Creek. I'm I'm excited to see him back in the NBL, and I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He thinks he should be in the NBA. I agree with him. Uh, he probably feels a little bit uh, chipped a bit that he wasn't originally selected for this Boomer squad, so I think the Bullets will need to watch out for a Creek revenge game, but looking forward to seeing him back in the competition. We mentioned LaMelo Ball. We mentioned RJ Hampton. We also mentioned Didi Lozada. But there was a little bit of news and a little bit, sta- little bit of uh, chirping out in the Twitterverse. Uh, Terry Armstrong, another guy from the, the, the program, the Next Stars program. Apparently, he, he's not a little happy with uh, what's happening down f- with him at the Phoenix up until this point. I find it quite interesting that these things are coming out already. We're only a couple weeks into the preseason. This is not a good sign for Phoenix or for Terry Armstrong, if, if true. I think the biggest thing is, and people mentioned it in reply to Terry, was your 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 season hasn't even started. You're trying to get to the NBA, and so far, RJ Hampton and Lamelo Ball haven't put a step wrong as far as the way they've apparently been with their teams. Apparently, Lamelo has been awesome speaking to people from that Hawks team and and all that sort of stuff. And RJ has obviously been really good. But your season hasn't even started, and already you're putting up stuff like that on Twitter, you know. And besides the fact that uh, you want to play well, and people are going to be looking at what happens on the court, you know, for your NBA stocks going forward as well, they're going to be looking at about looking at your character as well. And to me, that's a a big no no from him. Um, you can't do stuff like that, especially if you're a young guy trying to break in. You know, you got to work your way into it. Um, and obviously he hasn't done that, you know, well, for whatever reason. The in fairness, in fairness to him, this is one of the issues with promoting these young kids as stars and using them as a marketing tool, because 
this is them playing professional basketball outside of Lamelo yeah, for the but, first time but, and being in, coming into this. So to me, it needs to be part of this program to support them through this. And oh, I absolutely. know that they have absolutely. this. I know that there is the support in place, but uh, I guess are we as the quote unquote uh, media overreacting to a couple of things that an eighteen-year-old put on social media? Oh, when no, when uh, you have twenty mid, guys in their mid to late twenties who do the same thing, yeah, not not many Australians do stuff like that on Twitter in response to not getting caught on. That's one thing I think I think you can say about you know the way we go about things is we we not many of us do things like that. You know, Bogut, people like Bogut might criticize the refs or fire at an owner or something like that, but no, not many people publicly have a go at their team or coach. And I think it's pretty easy to say, you know, he hasn't played much in the preseason. I don't think he got on at all on the weekend. Like, and he's tweeted that straight after. I think we know what it's what it's all about. And I think it's your hope Southeast Melbourne have had that conversation with him, and I assume they would have when they picked him up. That you know, there's nothing guaranteed, and you've got to work your way into minutes and everything. But going back to your point, Terence Ferguson was used as a marketing tool for the NBL. Probably not as hyped up as these guys. Well, not so much Terry Armstrong, but Lamelo and RJ Hampton. He hardly played for Adelaide. He went from uh, coming off the bench and playing more minutes to starting and hardly playing at, at all after he started the first quarter. He never said anything about it. Apparently, like every time you heard him speak about it. Couldn't speak highly of jo- uh, highly enough of Joey. Did his job, and now what is he doing? He start he started most of the games for OKC Thunder this year. So you know you got to look at someone like that and say, at some stage you got to these these guys are, are men now. Like they're they're over eighteen. They're old enough to deal with this shit. Like you got to suck it up, go about it your way. And if you even if you're angry at it, talk to your coach about it. Don't put it on social media. And work your way into it. You know, that's what these guys have to do. You think when you go to the NBA, you're going to automatically get minutes? Hell no. Well, I I think it's a good learning experience for him. And I guess my point uh, with the program is it's a a dangerous game when you're picking guys who are potential NBA lottery picks coming from high school or NBA draft picks, I guess. Not uh, just because you're rated that in high school doesn't mean you're going to get there. And that's the kind of hype and that's the marketing around these guys and this program is that you get to see future NBA stars now before they get there. And where is that buffer for these kids that maybe it isn't their future for them? And is that something that we need to build in? You know, there, there. It is not an exact science. These predictions and rankings from high school basketball in America to NBA draft picks, you can you can fill up thirty notepads of guys who were projected to be NBA picks who never made it. So that's the one of the dangers of this program is plucking guys out that might not be able to handle the professional game and getting there, but using them as a marketing tool to build up the hype. Around the league. Yeah, but honestly, the NBL is going to do what's best for them. Which of course. Is marketing them course. to get business. At what stage is it up to the kids or what the, I'm, the, all the I'm, men? All I'm saying is is they, they, 
They just need to be a little more cautious is all I'm saying. Yeah, but on both sides This goes back defense. to my point a while ago on one of our first podcasts, I think we did it over the phone, was, okay, we do the same thing with Australian kids. They don't get the marketing and everything because obviously they're not highly touted and everything. But we don't care about them when they're struggling with their performance or not getting court time or anything. So why are we any different? Because you're using guys? them as a that, marketing that's tool. The, that's what's best for them. Just like the bullets picking up a young youngster and telling him not to go to college at the time, they think it's best for them. It's on these guys as well. Like we can't say we need to start putting in support systems for these guys. Well, I'm not, and, and I agree with what you're saying, but they need to have support systems in for all of these young guys, the DPS, but particularly these next star guys because of the pressure that's put on to them. But that's what they want. They're going to the NBA. In theory. In theory is all I'm but saying. There's no guarantees. Your, there is if, no if guarantees. You can't, if you can't handle any, it is hype in Australia, but the hype here is nothing compared to even when you're in high school over there. If you can't deal with that but, and focus on your job, you're not going to be in the NBA. So if you can't suck it up, don't do it. Don't agree to do it. You know what you're going to be used for. Of course. Don't do it. Go to college. But I think the NBA needs to be more cautious in who they bring over and who they recruit to bring over. But they're, they're only doing it for the good of them. They're not doing it for any other reason. Okay. Don't you reckon? <laughs> they're, they're not doing it for any other reason. They're not doing it because LaMelo Ball might win the Illawarra Hawks a championship. They're doing it because LaMelo Ball brings business to the NBL. Of course. Do you think they care if he, you know, if he like... You know, for example, like a preseason game, like obviously they want him to play, but he doesn't get on. Like, do you think they care if Illawarra are struggling or whatever? No, they they got what they wanted out of it. They got Slam sponsoring the Illawarra Hawks. They've got a million people watching the NBL highlights. They got all this. They're, they're doing it for that reason. And these guys know what they're getting picked up for. I, I I understand and I agree and I know what you're saying is correct, but I also think that there's a there, that there is a responsibility to recruit the people for the Next Stars program properly. And when you are going to use them as a marketing tool at 18 years old, you have to understand some of the challenges that those kids may potentially face and understand the challenges that they'll have mentally transitioning from America to another country, even though the language is the same, and moving from a high school basketball game into a professional game where there's dollars, there's all kinds of stuff. I'm not saying it's it, it, it's not the end-all, be-all. I'm not saying that, but they need to make sure that they have a responsibility and a duty of care oh, of oh, I, these I guys agree, transition. I agree, with, I agree with that completely, but my thing is we can't use that as a, and I'm not saying you are, as not an excuse, but a sort of excuse for these guys not doing well, these guys can't use it as an excuse for not playing and all that sort of stuff. Like, we need to put the support systems in place no matter whether they're Next Stars, Australians or whatever. Because I've seen people that I've coached that I've spoken to you about who have struggled mental health-wise yeah. heavily yeah. after being in the NBL at age 18, 19. Yeah. And there's no support systems in place. Yeah. So it's, it's a big problem. I think it's a big problem across the NBL you know, we should have the same support systems in place for these next stars people as we do for the young Agree. players that come in. Agree. And then on the other side of things, 
I was debating, I think we debated this a while ago. Um, but how can we use this stuff on Americans to bring over, which is really good, but then we can't use it on people like Tamiri Wigness is uh, beyond a joke. For well, me. there was things. There was news today that, he, or not today, but definitely that this week, saw, that, saw that, that that he's that he will be playing for the Bullets. They're still trying to get him into this next stars program, so definitely something to keep an eye on. But they yeah. did say it was either going to be as a next stars player or as a DP. Yeah. And to me, I mean, you know, in an ideal world, it would be that next, next stars. stars. Yeah. So do I. And and you know, like like we're talking about, like. The next stars has been an awesome thing for the NBL, obviously, especially this year. But there's obviously things they need to, I think, still need to improve going forward in the next stars program, and just to you know, and just for young people going into our league in general, I think there's a lot of things the league needs to improve on in that area. I couldn't agree with you more, and I think we'll probably keep a close eye on that. We'll see what happens with uh, Tamori Wigness. We'll see what happens in the Blitz this weekend. Uh, obviously, we're heading into the NBL. Can't wait for that. All a games are streamed too. Yep. And there's the dunk comp and three-point comp on Sunday as well. Yeah, so definitely check it out. Make sure you're following your, your local team. Just a quick QBL update, a couple of job openings before we wrap things up. Braden out this week. Uh, University of Sunshine Coast, Rib City, looking for a new women's head coach. Also, the Ipswich Force QBL program, women's QBL program, looking for a head coach. So, couple of job openings uh, already here just after uh, the QBL season wraps up. Something to keep an eye on in the offseason as well. That's going to wrap it up for us here, though. Thank you, Braden. As always, it's great to be here in the drapery. Uh, we'll do it again hopefully next week. We'll talk some more NBL Blitz and uh, the rest of the preseason heading into the NBL regular season. It's exciting times, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, this time going into the NBL season, especially, you know, we keep saying it every year, but it seems that it keeps getting better and better and there's more unknowns and, and everything with all the teams and all the you know talented recruits and everything. So uh, especially this weekend will be exciting. Yeah, can't wait. Make sure you check out the NBL Blitz live streamed every game, the dunk contest and three-point contest, like Braden said. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another Nothing But Net Media podcast.